everyone. I'm super excited to have Mark with me on the line. He was super nice, nice enough to um, invite me to his mic um, over in LA before all these craziness happened. And he's a really great guy, really hilarious. Um, we're just going to have a conversation today about, you know, being a comedian. Um, what's it like living in LA? Um, I'm in Orange County, but, you know, close enough. You live in LA, right, Mark? Huh? You live in LA. Yeah. Right, I don't have a mic. I have a book show. Oh, sorry. I'm so, see. I'm such a I'm such a slow and retarded comedian right now. I don't even know the difference between book show and open mic. I'm sorry. I'm ah, oh, just like bird brain right now. Very apologize. Yes, book show guys. Um, the show is really good. Um, when I saw, which is really funny comedians, really great. I don't know. Is what's happening there right now? Is it just closed? Well, we lost the place that we were at, and then we moved to some other places, and they were, yeah, they were all right, but uh, they were more difficult than that place. But, you know, then, of course, this, that everything got shut down, which yeah. uh, is probably a waste of time because they're not doing it in Sweden. And they're doing fine there, so I don't know. I think uh, we might just be wasting uh, a lot of uh, our economy with this. Yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, think. it's it's like you know the people who are so I'm 30, so my thoughts are, and I totally agree because you know why are we letting people who are not at risk? I mean, you know, we have higher immunity and then we're not likely to get it. And even if we do get it, we we're probably, it's 98%, you know, it's like, you're not, nothing's going to happen to you. So I just, I just think, yeah, I think it's time for us to open up um, for the people who want to go out can go out, right? The people who don't want to go out then can stay home, you know? So I, yeah, no one's coming with a gun to your house to make you leave if you're afraid. But, you know, the, uh, you can stay home if you want, but I think everything's fine because what we're finding out now is that the number of people that have it is really, really high. In fact, I had it uh, months ago. Wow. I had it a long, long time ago. And the thing what's that's like? weird, huh? What, what's it like having it? it? It wasn't that bad. You know, I just had uh, junk Spewing out of all of my orifices, I was throwing up, I had diarrhea, <laughs> I had a runny nose, I had snot, I had coughing, and I, I suffered through it for a couple of days, and I then I just decided, you know what, <clears throat> why am I doing that? There's pills for all this, so right. I went down to the CVS, got mm -hmm. pills to stop the diarrhea, pills to stop the vomiting, pills to stop the, you know, the nausea. The, uh, the the coughing, the sneezing, the, the mm -hmm. mucus. You know, I just took my snot. I just went down there. I left a huge trail of snot and diarrhea <laughs> and vomit all the way from my apartment down to the CVS. And then took a bunch of pills, and I was fine. Oh, man. So, You're a hero. True hero. Yeah. <laughs> it was mild with me, but I'm a tough, I'm a tough bird but then what's weird is i then i flew to china i had it i was kind of getting no over way. it I, seriously yeah i flew to china because <laughs> i went to thailand one day layover in china and it was just starting out there and oh then 
I went to Pattaya. I still had it a little bit, but you know, in in Thailand, you can of course still buy all these same medications, which I did, and I had a little bit of it, a little bit of a tail end of it, and then it was fine. And I enjoyed my I had a wonderful vacation in Thailand, and I fed the monkeys, and I rode on an elephant, and I pet a I petted a tiger, and I fed a rhinoceros that pulled on his horn, and it was a lot of fun. I had a great time there, and then I came back, and there was another one-day layover in China, but I already had the uh, the whole, I already had it, so, you know, and I guess a lot of people have, so I guess it's just like the flu, very, 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 very few people actually die. We thought it was like two out of a hundred were going to die, but... Evidently, a huge amount of people already have it. 80,000 people already die every year, right. around 80,000 from the regular flu. Yeah. So, you know, unless mil we have pretty much the same thing. And supposedly, I also heard on top of that, that the all of the flu deaths, which are about 8,000 a month, are being recorded as COVID-19 or coronavirus deaths. So the numbers that we have now are greatly exaggerated. So, you know, we're probably going to be fine. We need to start opening everything up. Just like the mayor of Las Vegas said. And I watched that full interview with her. If you haven't seen it, everyone was really mad at her. But she did a great job on that show. That's awesome. And um, you had so much experience. I, I'm so curious because your show is awesome. So... How did you get started in comedy? I got started in comedy at a place called Marty's. Woo-hoo. That guy that was insulting everyone when they was there, the really dirty, filthy guy, the really dirty, filthy old man. He, uh, he used to run this comedy gym, and it was called Marty's. And it was just, there were two stages. There was supposed to be three stages, supposed to be one out on the, out in the uh, balcony. I guess he had some kind of a legal graphics firm there. And, but after five o'clock when they closed, it was Marty's. And you paid five bucks, you could go up as many times as you could. Usually you could go up twice. And a lot of times you just went up once, but sometimes you had to wait a long time. Mm-hmm. But there were other rooms. There was a back room, another stage there. There was a balcony. Not a balcony, but a patio, but mm-hmm. people were just smoking pot out there. They weren't, like, doing the mic like they were supposed to. Mm. And then uh, there was a main stage, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was really strange, though. It still was a lot of weirdos and sociopaths and mentally ill people, and I would get threatened and, and uh, harassed, and he had me as a host there for a while. And uh, the guy, and then I made the mistake of bringing some of my friends who were girls there once. <laughs> never, never did that again. They were they said they were getting hit on by all these really uncouth guys in very uncouth ways. And anyway, eventually I was hosting, and then eventually uh, someone kept uh, trying to fight me. Unfortunately, he never uh, touched. Fortunately for him, he never touched me, but I eventually I just decided not to go there. But I think it was there 
a couple of years or a year and a half. I used to go there almost every night. But the thing about Marty's is it built really tough comics. Like, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to run that show unless I had been there because it built, like, Marty's built tough comics because people were coming and going in and out of the room. Mm -hmm. that there was a bunch of wackos there that would harass you or bother you and it just made you you know it made you it made you tough you know it made you a uh, you know a person that that wasn't going to be bothered no matter what happened on the stage yes and that's a good place and then since then I've just done hundreds and hundreds of bar shows mm -hmm. I've done I went to uh, someone flew me once to uh, Alaska. I did a show up ah, there. Awesome. I thought it was Joe Rogan for the weekend. I really should work more on getting flight out to more places. And uh, I perform in Vegas and San Diego, usually for really crappy money. Mm. I know a guy asked me the other, just before it got shut down, he said, so what have you been doing, Mark? Mm -hmm. a guy who was a guy at uh, oh he's at the improv I forget his name he's a pretty cool guy pretty good comic mm -hmm. and he passed through at the store and he said so what have you been doing Mark and I said I've been doing shitty comedy with shitty money and shitty rooms mm -hmm. he said well at least you've been getting shitty money you know <laughs> yeah which is good right yeah, so what have you been doing? How long have you been doing it? Let me, hold on. I need to get the accurate count. Let me just Google the days. I think it's 174, but I don't want to spread misinformation. Hold on a second. October, <laughs> Seriously. Okay. Okay, hold on one second. Days since October 29, 2019. Oh, what? Yeah. Can I? Sorry, I can't talk in time. Think. Oh, 178 days. Sorry, I've been in comedy for 178 days. I've been banned from eight mics and everybody hates me. And uh, <laughs> it's That's yeah. good. That's yeah. a good story. That's, good. that's yeah. a lot that's a lot to accomplish. All right. Day day, getting everyone to hate you and yeah. uh, getting cut out of eight mics. That's pretty good, you know? Um I I think thrown out of quite a few myself. Yeah, I love it. It's a badge of honor, I feel. I mean, as long as you're not, like, being super hateful for no reason. Um, yeah, there's there's something called the Ari Schaeffer two people walk out rule. And that's, uh, Ari says oh, that uh, if two people don't walk out, it's you're not edgy enough. Ah. And a lot of, a lot of times, I, I'll get a couple people to walk out. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's a way to look at it. It, it may not be where everyone wants to go, but it's right. definitely a way to look at a certain kind of comedy. Mm -hmm. And I definitely am there now. I've been there for a long time mm -hmm. because I don't really like middle-of-the-road kind of Comedy Central stuff. But mm -hmm. so tell me the stories about how you got thrown out of these mics. Mm -hmm. I want to know with you, how you managed <laughs> to do that. Oh my God. Um, it's, well, thank you for sharing that. The Ari Shafiro, I think, um, makes sure. it, I love it. So when I started comedy, I, like you, I don't do middle of the road comedy. Like, I think my first joke was like, you know, I'm a Trump supporter because I'm not a loser, which, um, uh -huh. and then 
I think I started making friends with the comedians online. So you know how you like, you know, add each other on Facebook. And I was just starting out. The right. first few weeks I was trying well, I, to it, fight, It's very know? hard to be that unfashionable in, uh, in the comedy world. I mean, that's, supporting Trump is a very unfashionable thing. Which I'm is even, in a way. Which is good, because being unfashionable, I think, in comedy is good. But then again, a lot of comedy is just about, you know, being fashionable and being politically correct and being in with the, you know, the hip crowd and the cool crowd. But, you know, I'm even more unfashionable. I'm a libertarian. So I'm a lot of people don't even know what that is. But I, I used to be the chairman of the, well, the Southern Vice Chair of the California Libertarian Party. And I used to do an educational TV show for the Libertarian Party as well that was shown on educational and access channels in all across the country. But anyway, so anyway, go, go ahead, continue with this. Yeah, yeah, th thank you for the context, I appreciate it. Because I think comedy has changed so much since the time, I mean, even just a few years, I think it's good to, you know, have the perspective. So I was just, just so this, keep in mind, this is the way that I am, you know, and the way that I carry myself, because it will make sense later. Because if I don't say this, it'd be like, why are you kicked out? Um, so I started making friends with these comedians online, which is not really real friends, but you know, they would see my Facebook newsfeed. So I saw the timeline as an opportunity to test out my jokes, right? And so one day I posted, smart women marry rich. Now, it's, I don't know why this, so I grew up in China, and I think the only th reason I can really think of why I trigger so many Americans is probably because my brain is still Chinese, and when I come to America, I can't speak, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's in like an elegant way that is digestible to people who have had a pretty um, nice and comfortable life. Everyone's offended by everything now. Yeah, exactly. It's hard for me to just make any statement, which in China would, would just be like, oh, the sky is blue. Like, yeah, like if you're smart, why wouldn't you marry somebody who would make your life easier, right? Um, <laughs> other comedian, he was just like, well, um, he commented, he was just, well, if you don't like broke people, you shouldn't be in comedy. And I was like, that's kind of weird to say. Um, and I just kind of let it go. For a little bit but i knew that okay the things that i'm saying are triggering people so keep in mind i'm divorced i did marry for love once and my perspective is from that um that type of event you know if you're a teenager great you know get with each other for love you know um you know fall in love you know experience one of life's great joys i'm not knocking that but don't i have uh, a right to have an opinion you know what I mean like I don't have to voice it so I knew going into comedy I was like all right so it seems like these 20 year old dudes who smoke weed and do drugs and it's okay if you don't if you do or don't I'm just trying to give context right so they're right. Kind of working as you know bartenders and they're kind of you know they're working class but why would I shit on them for not aspiring to be more if they're just comfortable being bartenders it's okay like that's just what you choose but why is it okay for them to just shit on me uh because of uh you know my thoughts on you know marriage and finances and really if you don't think about finances if you're getting married that's kind of irresponsible you know but you know we're at different stages of life i'm 30 years old as a woman from a different country 
they're like, you know, 20 year old, like you know, early twenties, mid twenties, American guys who are used to just, they're the, the basic, basically Tinder generation. Like, you know, they get pussy delivery service by texting women. Right. So we can't communicate because we have a gender divide and they're just younger. And I just have had more experience in them, but it was just well, like, these, oh, these are all good routines, you know, you should. Yeah. Yeah. Is, if I don't this get is all good as you continue doing comedy, you'll learn how to turn all these philosophical notes that you're making into, you know, funny routines. And uh, so anyway, keep going. Yeah. Sorry, this is such a long story, but I'll just maybe condense a little bit. So, you know, so I started just, you know, what the what the heck? This is crazy. So I went into Orange County stand up comedy group. Um, which is a Facebook group where they think like 3,000 people. So they were really were kind of quiet when I got there. I don't know how it was way before. So I just started posting some funny stuff, right? Because I thought, okay, this is stand-up comedy. So I think I can just post things because everyone should have a sense of humor, right? Wrong. So I started <laughs> posting my stuff and I started defending myself. I think this post, the posts are still up there. So people who are in it you guys can check out whatever post i made tell me what i wrote because this was like back in november so it's been a while uh, but basically they just kicked me out and the people who were saying horrible things to me that were friends with the host of course they stayed right now i'm not uh, saying i'm perfect but i just got kicked out of the room and the guy who hosted that group he also hosts two open mics right so you know i was messaging him was like you know what i want to talk to you and he ignored all my texts and so I just decided to like go to him in person to talk about it, right? So I went to the Santa Ana bar and I was just like, why did you block me? And then he was just like, well, you were just being, you know, really hateful to other people. I was like, but they were being hateful to me too, right? Because he didn't even want to talk to me. Like if I didn't take out my phone, he wasn't even going to acknowledge me, right? So I knew the little amount of respect that he had for me in the beginning. Because I think I was talking about like racism or sexism or and, and something. And then he was a white guy. So he, instead of like talking to me like a person, he just like ignored me. Right. But okay. Finally, when I took out my phone, he's like, all right. Okay. I want to talk to you. He's just like, well, okay. Do you promise to like be nice if I want, if I let you back in? And I was just like, you know what? You. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. I don't need your stupid fucking group anyways. So that's how I get, get, got kicked out of two because of, of Facebook uh, messages. And so you the, got kicked out of a meme before you could go to them. Well, I performed at his school <laughs> twice, actually, before this whole thing happened. And I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if he's doing virtual mics or anything. I, I just don't know what he's doing. But I performed at his mics before. But because of what I said online that he didn't think was really funny or made more, more so rather really feeling threatened, he kicked me out of his things. And he has a right to, right? So that was a story how I kick, got kicked out of two. And the next one was basically, I filmed a, um, my set and I put it on the internet and it got 100,000 views. And this is the one time that I regret saying something because most of the time I stand by my truth, right? So I, I don't harbor any ill feelings towards um, gays and lesbians and the LGBT community. Um, but at that point, I had been just battling with OC comedians for so long because I would go through a set and they would talk shit about me right after and everyone would laugh. So I thought we established this relationship of shit talking, right? And so at that particular mic, 
basically I was saying, I said, hey, you F word reserved for gays, because most of them were guys, and they have said horrible things to me. And I didn't mean it in terms of being homophobic, but it was interpreted that way online because I didn't, I didn't give the context of like how they treated me before, right? And so that's the only time I regret saying that, but everything else I stand by because the routine was about why, you know, broke men are not responsible or not accountable. And I think it triggered everyone. And then the next time I came back, he was just like, oh, you can't come back here anymore um, because your video went viral. And um, the uh, owner said, you can't come here anymore. Um, whether, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'll, have to go, I'll have to go watch it. Yeah, so you can watch it if you search Lee Lynn, um, McFadden, I think you should be, it's, it's 100,000 views. It's still making me ad revenue. So yeah, definitely check that Good. out. And then that night, you know, that night, so I was like, okay, I got kicked out of one. Let's go to the other one. So the other one was basically. Well, you know, you can, you can be homophobic every, because it's a joke. As long as you're on stage and you're making a joke, it's fine. Lots of people do that. Like that guy, uh, Marty, I was talking about before that was at the show you were at that I was on, that I booked you on. Mm -hmm. He, he's one of my favorite comics. He has lots of, uh, uh, racist jokes, but they're jokes. No one's offended right, right. because they're, they're jokes. He has a joke uh, that I love. It's there was a blackout in my neighborhood the other day, mm -hmm. so I called the police. Oh my god! <laughs> are afraid right now. Oh my god! This is so terrible. I love it. I. I Thank you for saying that because yeah, I am still new to comedy, so I'm trying to figure out what's okay to say and what not to say. And um, you know, it's I, okay I, if it gets a laugh. If it doesn't get a laugh, sorry. it's not okay to say. But I, I do think because I'm not visibly that thing, because I can talk all day about Chinese people because I am Chinese and I look Chinese, right? But right. you're not of that. I think it's it's. It's tough territory, and I, and I think that's the only thing I regret, and I apologize to people that are of that community that I offended because that was not my intention. Now, um, so I, I got banned from that, so I was like, well, my night is like, this is like whatever, like this is what, like 10 o'clock? So I was like, all right, let's just go to the, the one next door. So next door, basically the guy said, oh, you can't come in because you're a negative girl. Fair enough. He can say whatever he wants, right? But to me, it's just like, he couldn't even have said that if I was a man because it wouldn't even make sense, right? And it's like, how can you be com comedic um, if you're not negative, right? And it's like, he can do whatever he wants, right? Of course, free country, it's his own mic, he can do whatever he wants. But to me, it's just like, I just don't really have a lot of respect for people who don't ban based on, you know, maybe I ran a light maybe warn this person, right? Because I hear that if you get banned from a mic, it's because you run lights or you were like starting a fight or something. That I would agree with, right? So that was my fourth mic that was banned from. I'm not going to go through all, every single one of the mics, <laughs> basically. It's just like, I don't understand. Like, I, okay, I understand that people don't like me. Like, I'm very clear on that. Like people, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. But it just makes me realize, like, why comedians are going online now, you know, because it's like, 
well, you can't ban me online. You can't ban me from my own YouTube channel. So we're seeing a resurgence of people who are putting their stuff online and little bits and pieces like Andrew Schultz, right? He's so great at marketing because he didn't sell out shows before until he started putting out little YouTube clips that are five minutes. And now he sells out, you know, at the comedy store, sells out at Laugh Factory. So I'm going that route instead of, you know, arguing with people who, are not accepting of any sort of opinion outside of their own, why don't I go um, online where I can get 100,000 views and get ad revenue right away? Why don't I go on TikTok where I can make, you know, 15 second videos and get like 10,000 views the next day? Why don't I go on Twitch where I can stream and run my open mic and I can run my open mic for 12 hours if I wanted to, you know? So I understand like as a minority and as a woman that discrimination sucks, you know, being, you know, made fun of because of something that you cannot control is sad, right? But I think where do we draw the line then? You know, do we draw the line at anybody who even utters a color? You know, do we just stop at everything that's like, you know, do we just stop comedians from experimenting completely? You know, so that's, that's just my viewpoint on it. But yeah, that's how I got banned. <laughs> well, you know, Asian, Asian female comics are very popular right now. That is like, being an Asian female is very popular. So that actually works in your favor right now, but they're going to want a politically correct right. Asian female comic. Oh, I don't care anymore. It's just like, you know what? I run my own business. <laughs> I didn't come to China to, you know, to deal with this bullshit. So I'm just going to run my own mic. Like, I, I've been talking to yeah, a conservative community. And you, like, it's mics that I have mics that I go to, you know, I've never been, I've never been, uh, I've been banned, I've been thrown out of a few, but you know, mm. people have to understand that, you know, these things are jokes, and people are going to go up there, and they're going to have uh, opinions they don't like, you know, look how much crap Joe Rogan gets or some arch conservative, or, and, you know, he, and he, you know, he's the god of the comedy world, you know? Yeah. But he endorsed Bernie Sanders, of all people. But anyway, the, uh, uh, you know, if you get thrown out of one mic, you just go to another mic. Yeah, you know, there's, there's so many places. You know, it used to be there was one place you could go in town. If you're in, like, you know, Wisconsin or whatever, there's one way, there's one comedy club, but now there's mics, there's online, there's different kinds of comedy clubs. Mm -hmm. You know, I started out at Marty's, which was, you know, anything goes. Mm -hmm. As I said, his only rule was uh, no N-words mm -hmm. unless you are one. That was his only <laughs> rule. And... He, that was it, but other than that, you know, there were people urinating on the floor, and, you know, it was, there was just all kinds of crap going on, mm -hmm. but, yeah. you know, I would go to Mike's, and I'd get thrown out of some, and they wouldn't just let me up, and they didn't like what I was doing, and I was very antagonistic mm -hmm. at that point with my comedy. I don't know now if I'm still antagonistic, but... You know, I just kept going up, kept going up, kept going up, and that's all you need to do. Yeah. They will let you at this mic, start your own mic, you know, start the freedom of speech mic, and uh, 
someone said there was this thing going on about rape jokes for a while. It was like this woman, she's still at it, too. I went to her mic not that long ago. She's like, the only rule is no rape jokes. And there was, there was going around the comedy world because, God, who was it? It was, uh, uh, yes, Tosh. Tosh O was doing, did something where supposedly he told some rape joke or something. And there were people writing about rape jokes, so people shouldn't do rape jokes. So yeah. at my mic, I, the first thing I said when I got up there was there was a one rape joke minimum per set. <laughs> So that I could, so that, you know, it was like, listen, you know, you can say whatever you want. And yeah. my show that I run, I'm looking for the extreme people. Yes. I'm looking for the offensive people. I'm looking for the people that are doing something, saying something that is strange and weird. And those are the people that I book and that I use over and over and over again. And I use Marty. He goes there almost every time that I have a show there. And a lot of people are just filler, and that's fine. In my shows, I always try to have as many people as I possibly, different kinds of people, mm -hmm. you know, because a 400-pound a, a black uh, lesbian will have a different opinion and point of view of the world and a different kind of comedy than a skinny, you know, white girl from the valley. And people, I always try to have as many different kinds of critters as I can and different kinds of comedy. I look for in my shows that I book, I look for as many different kinds. Well, the guy that I'm working for there, he wants me to book a lot of women. So all the female comics get a, I go, just go through Facebook and give all the female comics a chance to come and, and perform if they want. And some of them are crazy, too. Some of them attack me for giving them stage time. And I get, you know, insane people. Some of them are insane. And I block them, and they go and they run slander campaigns against me online. I'm like, you know, what else is due? You know, I've had, you know, people, people are going to do that. Not everyone's going to like you. I knew that when I started out doing comedy, I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea, you know. I'm too old to go to be put on Comedy Central or on TV. They only put young people on TV. And, you know, you just have to just do it anyway. Well, they only put, unless you got famous while you were young, okay. They'll put old people on, old comics on. But you had to be famous when you were young. Then that's fine. You could be famous. You could go online and you can blow up. They don't care. Well, I've done, you know, I've been online for a long time and nothing's ever happened. That's too bad. You know, I don't know how to promote it or something like that. But maybe I'll learn eventually. Maybe I'll learn, see what happens, uh, you know, something. I know there's an audience out there. Yes. You just have to find it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. you know, slowly, grudgingly, slowly but surely, you know, I get in more places more often in better places and start to get a little gas money, a little bit more money here and there. And slowly but surely, very grudgingly, the comedy, you know, comedy becomes a little bit easier. And, you know, it just, don't, if, if you're going to be discouraged by anything, 
you know, don't do comedy. The, the only thing that pisses me off is when I book people and they don't show up. Yeah, that's the worst. You know, that bugs me. And I, because I've got, you know, uh, guys living in their car that would have loved to have been on that flyer, would have loved to have been booked on that show. They're living in their car so they can do three open mics a day or five open mics a, a night. And, you know, they would really love it and someone else isn't even showing up. Yeah, it's just yeah. And that's too bad, you know. And I understand shit happens. Mm -hmm. I've missed the show here and here or there occasionally. But you know, that's why I get hired to do the show on Sunday that you were at, because, you know, he knows I'm there every single time. I show up, I I'm funny every single time and I I bring people, I bring the, the, I book the people to the show and uh, they're usually going to be funny people. He wants a good show and I want a good show and I don't know why he even does comedy. I don't think he makes any money out of the comedy. I think he makes money out of the rap music that he does afterwards and that's a good combination to have a comedy show and then after that have a, have a music show, a rap show. Yeah. And I know it's a lot tougher. The The rap show afterwards is a bringer show. It's a very strict bringer show. The comics are getting a, a free ride. But, you know, no, no one can stop you. Don't let anyone tell you you can stop you. I've had lots of people tell me they're going to stop me and they're going to keep me from getting hired or keep me from getting up or, you know, ruin me in the comedy world. And on every threat you could possibly make and physical threats of violence and I went on the other day onto a uh, a board on Facebook and I'm amazed I haven't been thrown off of Facebook and Twitter but I went on to a uh, thing about comedy uh, festivals and I said you know I think that you know I, the, the feeling I have right now is that comedy festivals are just there to, they're just exploitive and are there to make money and rip off the comics. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, disagree with me, change my mind or fight me. Right. And all these people, a couple people just started attacking me. A woman called me a child molester because <laughs> I dared to say something bad about the, the uh, comedy festivals. And I've known people that were, I'm not going to say who it was or who the comedy festival was, but basically it was kind of intimated to him that he would be accepted if he gave them the money. And he did give, he gave them $70 entrance fee because it was a late entrance fee. And they just kept the money and didn't include him. And it was just very sad. Wow. And it was just the, the straw that broke the camel's back for him. Right, yeah. And he just, uh, he quit. And it's too bad because Why he was quit? my favorite comic. He was a very talented guy. That's horrible. Shit. Yeah, his name was Gary Sugarman. You can still look him up. He's still out there. In fact, I have a documentary film I did about him that he didn't like that I'm going to have to try to see if I can get that up online. Wow. And uh, refused to take down, even though he doesn't like it. But uh, he was a—he was just a great, 
uh, a great man, a great comic. I'm still friends with him. But uh, he quit, and a lot of people will. You'll see a lot of people that could have been good comics quit because they – it's not a very supportive uh, place. Yeah, definitely. The <laughs> yeah. It's, it's filled with a lot of mentally ill people, a lot of people that have issues, filled with a lot of people that have cluster B personality disorders. They're like, they have a very low, cluster B personality disorders are people with a very low sense of empathy and a very shallow sense of, uh, a very, very shallow emotional self. That's so, me. Oh my God, that's I'm, me. That's me. <laughs> no, you obviously don't have a shallow emotional self because you can tell you're obviously hurt by the things that these people have done to you and just for being out there and existing and having opinion, you can tell that you're emotional about it. And I don't, you know, I, if, if not, I wouldn't have you on the show because then you wouldn't be, you know, human enough for me to relate to. But there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, sociopathy and psychopathy go on like a sliding scale. So you can have a 20% sociopath, which is a normal everyday run-of-the-mill sociopath, and then you can have like a 90% sociopath, which is like Charles Manson. Absolutely no conscience, no extremely shallow emotional self. But, you know, you find a lot of these people that are very shallow, and also narcissists, uh, which is another cluster B personality disorder. You find them a lot of probably just in the entertainment industry in general because being in the entertainment industry is a way to get what's called narcissistic supply, which is what they live off of. And you'll see a lot of these people that are usually trying to create drama around themselves and things like that. I have uh, I had a, a woman online recently right, who's running a campaign against me and my show. She, I had no idea who she was. I'd never seen her before in, in my life. I'd never met her, but she said that I had called her a cunt. And I never, ever, I've never met her before. And anyone that knows me knows that that would never be enough of an insult for me. I would never just, I would never just call someone a cunt. I would say, like, her cunt smelled so bad, all of the dogs in the neighborhood died. Something like that. I would, I would. That was my first reaction, too. I thought Mark would have said something better. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would insult you more than that. So I don't know. It's just there's. You have to love it and want it, and you have to, you have to be there. I would just say, you know, uh, in the in the comedy world, forgive everyone, because it's just in life, forgive everyone because they don't know what they're doing either. And some people aren't really bad people, but they may do a bad thing to you or to others right. unintentionally or thinking it's just the right thing to do at the time. And, you know, you have to love it and want it more than anything else in the world because your chances of becoming successful are very, very, uh, very difficult. You know, the uh, it's, it's, it's very hard out there. And... and uh, a lot of uh, female comics, for instance, used to be much more rare. 
and now there's they're everywhere. You know, there's tons of them. So now, even amongst female comics, there's a lot more, uh, a lot more competition, a lot more nastiness, and just you know, that's the that's the advice Joe Rogan has is not to, uh, you know, look at the comments and stuff like that or read the comments and stuff like that on your social media. He'll block people, which is good, but he says, you know, you're wasting your time. You know, unless it's, it's part of your thing, I do it sometimes. I'll go and start arguing with people online. And it's part of, you know, what I do as a, as a comedian sometimes. But after a while, I'm going to get bored. And there'll be other people, and I won't be replying to them. And it'll be usually on mine. And I'll let people object with me to a certain point. But on my social media, if you're really being negative and ugly and insulting, I just block you. And I think you should because, you know, it's your world there. Unless you like that or you think it's funny, you know, I just block people. I've, I've gotten into huge arguments with people online about stuff. And uh, uh, it was just like, uh, uh, I remember there was this one time I was online, and I made this post about, there was a girl that I used to book on my shows, and I just used to talk to her. I thought she was funny. I wasn't attracted to her. She wasn't a girl that I was attracted to at all. Mm -hmm. I thought she was... Uh, she just wasn't my thing, you know. She was a little bit heavy, even though I like girls that are a little bit heavy. It just, uh, it just yeah. I yeah. and I wasn't attracted to her, but I thought she was very funny and very amusing. Mm -hmm. And I would always talk to her, be nice to her, and every time I saw her, I'd go up and talk to her because I thought she was just a funny, amusing person. Mm -hmm. And I used to book her a lot on my shows. And uh, anyway, eventually at one point, I had this interaction with her, and I found out through this interaction that this whole time that I was talking to her mm -hmm. and just being nice to her and thinking she was an amusing, funny, interesting person, she thought that I was hitting on her and pining for her and wanting her, like me thinking that she had an interesting personality, she saw this as being, oh, you're, he's lusting after me, he wants me romantically. And if I'm interested in someone romantically, I just will basically, you know, ask them out once, and if they don't, I don't get a positive response, and that's pretty much it, it's over, I move on. Mm -hmm. And, or I'm usually busy dating already. People, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Move on, yeah. Sometimes I have too many girlfriends. I'm trying to get rid of some of them. But anyway, but it's, you know, it's up and down all the time. Sometimes it's like there's nobody around. But anyway, I just expressed my disappointment that I couldn't, like, talk to this girl just because I thought she was funny, just because I thought she, just because she amused me, and I thought she had a funny, interesting personality without her thinking you know, oh, this guy really, really, really wants me. And I see that a lot in the comedy world. It's an ego. And it's a female ego. Yeah, if you scorn, if you uh, reject us, what's that saying? Hell, hell hath no 
Fury like a woman scorned. Fury like a woman scorned. Yeah. But it was just kind of sad to me that I couldn't yeah, like, speak her like to a this person. person. Yeah, that's true. And not have her think, oh, this guy desperately wants me and mm-hmm. is pining over me and and uh, stuff like that. And, you know, there's a lot of crazy people in the comedy world that have crazy egos. And there are uh, a lot of aging narcissists out there that have a lot of strange fantasies about a lot of people following them and stuff like that or obsessing over them, which just means that as they're getting older, they're not getting the attention from the men they used to, and they're starting to have more and more bizarre fantasies about how someone's stalking them or something like that to imagine they're important in somebody's life. But it's just, uh, and it's weird too because I've had to become a, kind of an expert on a narcissist and understanding who a narcissist is and and try and just when I get the indicators of it I just try to get away from them you know and mm-hmm. stay on the other side of the room because I know there's going to be trouble but for some weird reason I attract crazy people I don't know why that is but anyway so I, I don't know the, the story it sounds like you know uh I don't know. It sounds like there's more to the story of the uh, of the mics and stuff. Probably a lot funnier, but you're kind of keeping uh, your. <laughs> I wish it was funnier, but it was. Just, I it's just how it is. Maybe I'll maybe I'll make it funnier when I get more experience in comedy. I don't know, but um, yeah. I mean, I don't care anymore at this point because I think I I also want to hear your take on this. How you think comedy will change after this? Because. It's now day, I don't know, what, 40-something for the quarantine, it feels like, since, you know, California. So I personally think because now comedians can go on, you know, Instagram Live, we can go on YouTube, we can go on TikTok and Twitch. It doesn't matter as much who gives you the approval to book the shows as much as how many, you know, following you have, you know, how many fans will come to your show. Well, I think that is one kind of comedy that I suppose will develop, which is online comedy and online stand-up comedy but it's it's not really stand-up comedy stand-up comedy is an interaction between you and an audience yes yeah i suppose that so online doing something online without an audience is a different thing but you know there's people out there that do it i remember when bo burnham who's very talented Mm -hmm. exploded on the internet Mm -hmm. just looking into the the uh you know the camera and talking there's a guy named philip defranco who just bought a 30 million dollar house and oh, wow. all he would do is sit in front of the uh the uh camera and just start talking he's been doing it you know since the early days of youtube he was a oh. youtube one of the first youtube stars and uh, he makes a lot of money doing it and what he used to do was he used to, I think he would talk for about 20 minutes. Then he would just watch it and just start cutting things out until mm-hmm. he had about five or six minutes of what was really good of his rant. He would edit his rants and put them on. Now he's kind of turned it into a, a news show where he talks about the events of the day 
and a lot of you know trendy people and the reaction on the internet to trendy people who a lot of people I don't know who they are because I don't listen to drum machine music or mm -hmm. current music. I listen to older punk rock bands and occasionally here and there there's a band that I like. I like Die Antwoord if you've ever heard of them. But there's usually not a lot of new stuff I really like. But, you know, they're, so I don't know who a lot of these people are. A lot of these drum machine people who play dance music and all of that kind of stuff. I've never been into it. And, but, you know, some of the people now, there are very few people now that I would like or listen to because it's not, it's, it's just, it's very, it's not edgy at all. I'm always looking for something that's challenging and edgy and, Mm -hmm. that when I listen to it, it's new and weird. And a lot of this stuff, it's not. It's just the same dance beats mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. you know, someone trying to be fashionable. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not into it. But, you know, anyway, he talks about a lot of those people. And then he talks about regular politics and the reaction to, you know, some whatever somebody said in, in politics. And uh, it's fairly interesting. But, you know, that's a whole different, Thing that developed for that, you know, a blogging, it's called blogging. So it would kind of be like stand-up comedy blogging, I suppose. Yes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's a, that's a thing that will be explored whether we like it or not. And then, you know, if you do that, it's going to be difficult to go in front of an audience. But the stand-up comedy that I want to do is in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. And that is... Uh, uh, you know, what what I like, and if you want to, you know, be a blogger, I would say get in front of an audience as much as you possibly can, mm -hmm. and don't worry about, you know, if so you get banned from one place, another place is going to want to have you, you know, it's mm -hmm. just like, I used to go to this one mic, and there was this, like, uh, um, this trend, this uh, what is the proper term now? Trans guy, trans woman that was there, and he hated me because I always ignored him because <laughs> I didn't think he was interesting. I thought this is a mentally ill drug addict. My brother is trans, so it's not anything that's novel to me. Right. But every, everyone else, he was a big novelty because they'd never been around it their whole life. But, you know, it was nothing to me. But I always ignored him, and he decided that he hated me, and he would start yelling and heckling me and being angry during my set. Right. And eventually, they, people would just tell him to shut up, you know, <laughs> because they thought it was funny and they wanted to hear my jokes. And they used to, just before I would go up, they would just, his friends would take him out of the room, or right. her out of the room. And, you know, there's just, there's always going to be somebody that's just going to hate you. And there's going to be yep. groups of people that hate you. And yep. it's just the way that it is, no matter how popular you are. And if you're real popular next week, you know, then there'll be a backlash with everyone will hate you, you know. Yep. So don't worry about it. If this is what you want to do, you know, you're either going to be like, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you, you want to die. You know, you have to want to do it more than anything else in the world. Now, I'm sure some people, 
only sort of want to do it, and they go into it, and they're horribly uh, successful and just start getting big gigs and money and this and that and a TV show and all this stuff right away. And But, you know, those are the exceptions. You know, those are the, the one in a million people that didn't have to work hard. Everyone else, you know, is going to have to work really, really hard and try for 10 years. I remember I interviewed Ant on my podcast. Who's a big comic. He's been on Letterman and all the shows. Mm-hmm. And he's a great guy. He's a great human being. I, I, I think he's wonderful. And I think he's funny as well. And he, he, uh, he talks about having roommates. Uh, he was once roommates with Sarah Silverman and some other comics who'd gone on to be really famous. And, you know, I said to him, you know, what was it like to watch them, you know, become successful comics? And you weren't really going anywhere at the time. You said, yeah, it's just the way it was. You know, I just kept going. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you've got to keep doing that. But he also talked to me about successes that he had early on and how uh, someone, just, he was a flight attendant, and someone thought he was hilarious. And someone said, here, you know, you should come to the improv and do some comedy. Just tell some stories. And he did, so he was given really nice stages from uh, the beginning. And I've talked to a lot of other people who were up on really nice stages when they first started doing well, and now they're not doing well. You know, it's just the it's just the way that it is. You know, you either have to do it, or you're gonna or you're gonna quit. Yeah. You know, exactly. I keep thinking of quitting and just moving to Thailand and. <laughs> retiring in Thailand but then I have to give up uh, I have to give up uh, doing comedy you know but if I go to Thailand I, I can you know be a, have a very 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 comfortable lifestyle because your money right. is quadrupled over there yeah. you know your money is about five times twenty dollars is about eighty or a hundred dollars over there mm-hmm. and you know, if you move to Thailand and get a job there, then you're just going to be as poor as a regular person living in Thailand. Right. Yeah. But if your income is from over here, if I could get somebody else to run my business, I could run it remotely from Thailand. If I could have somebody else, you know, take care of the physical parts of it over here and pay them enough that they'll do it, you know, and then I could, I could pretty much retire in Thailand and, yeah. It's a tempting thing, but I have to give up comedy because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be doing comedy in Thailand, right. you know? Yeah, for sure. So it's a difficult, it's a, you know, it's a, it's tempting. So I may just spend more time in Thailand, but yeah. you have to want to do it. Yeah, exactly. This is perfect advice. And thank you so much for giving us perspective on just so many things like, I felt better, you know, after what you said about all the craziness that's happened. Um, and you're, you're giving some awesome advice, seriously. Um, so, yeah, anything else you want to share with our listeners? Oh, I don't know. How about you? Anything you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I would just echo through pretty much the same things because it's like I, you know, I'm at the point where, like, you know, if I don't get rejected, that means I'm not trying hard enough, right? And so... And initially, I was like, oh, I got banned, but now I'm just like, you 
know what? That means if I get rejected from one, like you said, I can go to a million other ones, right? And I'm kind of exploring yeah. online comedy because at this point, nobody can do open mics, but it's not going to stop me from being funny. You know what I mean? So I think just, yeah, keep going. I don't really care what other people think of me. What other people think of me is none of my business anyways. And, you know, for people who have a dream, go for it. You're going to get pushback only if you're moving forward. Like nobody's going to, you know, criticize somebody who's not fulfilling their their best potential. It's only the people who get threatened, um, whose egos get triggered. If they, you know, they see you, oh my God, 170 days into comedy and you went to Kill Bill, oh not Kill Bill, Kill Tony, um, you perform at the Laugh Factory. Cause it's like, you, you can knock anything from me, but you can't knock my hustle, you know? So to me, it's just like, all right, you guys haven't even gone to as many open mics as I have in six months than you guys have even in five years. So why should I even care about your opinion? So um, I guess that's what I would say. Um, but otherwise, how can we uh, watch your comedy? How can we learn more about you? Oh, you just go to on YouTube and you look me up. I have, I have uh, six years of material on there. Awesome. There's stuff on SoundCloud, it's all old. I used to do musical comedy. I'm starting to do it a little bit again. Awesome. But, you know, I'm out there. You can follow me on Twitter. I write jokes on Twitter. I had like some people steal my one of my jokes once and do it in front of me. Mm -hmm. And so I started to put all my jokes up on Twitter and Facebook uh, so everyone would know. They say, don't put your jokes on Twitter and Facebook because then people will steal them. And, you know, who knows? Maybe somewhere in the East Coast someone's doing my jokes. But... I figure they're stealing them anyway, so I may as well, uh, you know, put them put them up on Twitter, or Facebook, so that acts as a copyright. Yeah. Hey, I wrote that ten years ago. I see it in somebody special, and I've also seen people steal other people's jokes. Yeah, I got my joke stolen, and same thing. She performed right in front of me, but the hilarious thing was she couldn't even pull it off. As I did, so I was laughing because of how bad she executed my jokes. It was hilarious. Um, but sorry, sorry, go ahead. I just had to say that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I mean, you know, there's it's a weird thing. I've had friends who had jokes stolen. I've said, hey, that's a, you know, that's a Gary Sugarman joke. You can't be doing that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember that uh, he had a joke. It's this comic. He had a joke. It was called a routine. It was very tasteless, which I liked. And he, he called it the bitch whisperer, which was about, you know, if your girlfriend's a real bitch, you know, I could come and talk to her, you know, like the dog whisperer does. Yeah. And uh, so he had that routine. It was very funny. And people started stealing it from him. And I'm like, wow, man, you can't be doing that joke. And, uh, and it, it, you know, I was surprised to see it, but people do it all the time. You know, there's a joke that Louis C.K. does. I don't, you know, Louis C.K. obviously is not a joke stealer, but he does a joke that's a Steve Martin routine or kind of from a Steve Martin routine at the beginning of his new special, which is amazing. And my other favorite comic, Maria Bamford, I only got halfway through her last special today and thought it was terrible. I was amazed. Because I love Maria Bamford, but this new special, to me, is just a dud. 
I was I was shocked by that. But Louis's new special is amazing. But you know, people people are going to steal your material. People are going to uh, you know hate you. People are going to try to take your spot. You know, I know with, with my you know I get. I guess that's why I had people attacking me on the internet or had a new round of people attacking me on the internet is because I was succeeding. You know, I had a show, I was getting paid to do it, I was booking a bunch of people. It was a very good show, a very entertaining show, had a lot of good comics on it. And uh, so I guess the other people, you know, get jealous and mad and angry and, you know, attack you. And that's, that's the way it's going to be, you know. There's... There's nothing. There's nothing you can do. Just keep, keep. Uh, you know, write the next joke and go to the next mic. Go to the next show. Book your next show. Get it your own show. Start your own show. You know, whatever it is you want to do, but don't let the people that don't like you drag you down. Look at how many people didn't like. Uh, uh, who's the guy? Sam Kinison. You know, so people hated him and Dice. You know, people hated him. There were as many people that hated him as liked him. But he was able to, you know, fill stadiums all across the United States while people, you know, actively were very angry at him and mad at him and, and disliked him and thought he was a terrible uh, person. I remember one day, I remember listening to a, a friend of mine who had a uh, – he had a comedy class, and his comedy teacher was telling him, oh, well, you really, you know, I think you're turning off some of the ladies in the audience because you have too many dick jokes in your set. And it's, you know, it's an opinion. If you want to work clean or whatever, you want to get, you know, into certain places, that's good. But I could also hear her saying that to uh, Andrew Dice Clay, you know, who's Stuff was incredibly vulgar, you know. The uh, I remember the thing that made Dice Clay famous was his piece, Hickory Dickory Dock, This Bitch Was Sucking My Cock. And everyone was repeating that all across the United States, and it made him famous. And I could just hear this teacher saying to Andrew, you know, that Hickory Dickory Dock joke is just too disgusting and offensive. You know, you really have to take that out of your set, you know. So no matter what you say, you know, uh, there, there are comedians that are conservative out there, and they're doing fine. You know, Tim Allen's doing fine. So is, uh, uh, who's that guy from Saturday Night Live? You know, they're out there, and I know comedians that are conservative. They're Republicans and Trump supporters, and there's a guy, in fact, I think you saw him on the show, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, French Accent. I don't know if you saw him there, but he, uh, he was on the show, and he's, 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 a, he's a Republican, and he's doing great. You know, don't worry about it. People are going to get offended and mad at you, but, you know, don't, don't worry about it. Just keep, just keep going. You know, just write the next joke and go up and get a laugh, you know. And if that sustains you, then, you know, you'll be here in 10 years. And then maybe you can, you'll be somewhere in 10 years. Who knows?
Are you still even there, or am I just talking to myself? Oh, I unmuted myself because um, the what's it called? Um, you hear you hear like the machine. What's it called? The grass mower. What's it called? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The gardeners. Yeah, because that's why I muted myself because I, you know, I was hearing all this like feedback. Like, okay, I'm gonna mute myself. And then I guess you didn't hear me saying stuff. But yeah, I was here. Um, this is yeah. If yeah. you you know if you if you want if someone if someone says to me I'm thinking of quitting comedy, I say quit. You know, because unless you really want to go through a lot of hell, unless it really is these little, these little moments, you know, uh, we even, even, even when people get a little bit of success, you know, they, uh, it's still, you know, it's never enough. They're never getting enough work. They're never getting enough this or that or whatever, you know, it, if you if you have to do it, you have to do it. If you can quit, do. If you can forget about it, walk away from it. <laughs> I yeah. think about it every day. I think about walking away every day. But uh, then I write another joke, and I go, "Hey, I'd really like to uh, go yeah. and tell that joke in front of the people. See, you know what I get out of it." Exactly. It's a resilience game. If you can't last, then you know nobody can make that decision for you. So that's good. Yeah, if they're going to quit, they're going to quit anyways. If you, if they were really serious about it, if you say you quit, they say, fuck you. I'm going to go to 10 other months. So yeah, I, I, I think that's the right thing to do. All these people that used to hate me for no reason, uh, have like quit doing comedy. And uh, I don't know why they hated me to begin with. I've no, done nothing but be nice to everyone. Yeah. I haven't beat anyone up. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I, you know, I've just been nice to people as far as I know. So uh, some people, uh, you know, decided they hate me and they're working against me and maybe I'm not very PC or whatever. And that, you know, bothers people that, who believe that comedy is a form of political activism. And it could be, but you better be funny about it, you know. Like you can do whatever you want, but just be funny, you know. Yeah, is is yeah. it funny? I remember there's a comic. I forget what her name was. She had a comedy special. I wasn't able to sit through it, but she said that uh, she was going to quit comedy because she didn't like the obligation to be funny. And it was just a bunch of everything she was saying was just a bunch of. Hot? Only a stupid woman would say that. Was she really hot? <laughs> she must have been brainless for her to get so many opportunities while being so stupid. Yeah, they they just wanted to do political activism. Like, go run for office then. Yeah, exactly. Go, go to a poetry reading if you want to do that. I mean, comedy is for funny people. You know, I've ran for office too. I was in, uh, I got 7% of the vote running as a libertarian in Los Angeles and running for a state assembly. And, you know, I've, I've done it. If you don't want to be funny anymore, you can go give uh, political speeches and, you know, which is what I used to do. I used to go around giving political speeches at UCLA and, you know, on television and, you know, everywhere else all the time. I would fly around the country doing giving political speeches to uh, 
libertarians trying to get the party going. And uh, eventually I quit. And, you know, now I do stand-up. And I don't really have a lot of, uh, I have some political humor, but I don't really have the, uh, there's a guy named Tim Slagle who's really wonderful. And he has a lot of great libertarian comedy. And so does, uh, what's his face? Uh, oh, man, I forget his name. He actually used to go on stage and wear, uh, Stan, Doug Stanhope. He used to go on stage wearing libertarian shirts and stuff like that. But I don't really have a whole lot of stuff, you know, explaining jokes, explaining libertarian ideology. I don't have that, and that's fine. If I did, then I would do it if it was funny. Right. But I don't. I think people can tell because I go up, I make fun of Trump and Hillary. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's fine. I don't know where people think I am political. I think a lot of people think because I make fun of Hillary, I must be right-wing or something. And I've had people say that to me. And I'm not. I'm basically a, a liberal, but I'm a libertarian liberal. And uh, the Democratic Party now, it it's just does so much stuff to alienate me. I used to vote Democrat, but the, the, the party now just it, it alienates me a lot with all the things that it does calling people racist and stuff like that. I, I just think that it's ugly and it, it makes me not want to, it makes me not like the Democrats yeah. a lot. And that's, and that's too bad, you know, because I, you know, a lot of ways I agree with a lot of the stuff there, but I'm a libertarian. I, I agree with the libertarian party platform almost completely. And, uh, I'll always be there. I'll always be a libertarian. I doubt that I'll usually end up voting libertarian, unless I was a Democrat or Republican that I liked. I would, I would vote for them if I thought, oh, this is a good candidate. But everyone's so steeped in the, uh, everyone is so steeped in the, I don't know, the, one the one way. You know, it's not. The parties aren't really big tents anymore, you know. Uh, the Democratic Party isn't really a big tent anymore. It used to be, it used to be there was something called Southern Democrats, which were the kind of Republican-esque Democrats in the South. And I don't even know if those those people even exist anymore. It's just like I I can't. Uh, I get very turned off by a lot of the stuff that political parties do. And Republicans and Trump, to a certain extent, I like some of the stuff that he does. And a lot I, I don't like. But, you know, the but the way he's just constantly being attacked no matter what he does, that bothers me. Like when he said, when he first decided not to let people from China fly here at the beginning of this whole thing, they called him a racist. I'm like, oh, you know, come on. That's all you ever do is call him a racist. You find any excuse to call him a racist. I just, just I just don't like it. And the, uh, but then now they are attacking him because, because he didn't do more to stop people from coming here. So it's like, it's just, I don't know. I just get tired of it. I, you know, there's an election coming up and, 
Yeah, it loses its original intent because now real racism, people don't even know what it means because it's just thrown around willy-nilly and anything yeah. is remotely um, kind of uncomfortable for people. So I just, I have, I have high hopes because I think people are smart. They're going to start to critically think and make decisions for themselves. So yeah, I do agree. Because when you close a, a border for safety reasons, it has nothing to do with race. It just has to do with the health you know, health concern, you know, but yeah, um, thank you so much, Mark, this is amazing, <laughs> um, I don't know if you can hear the gardeners, but like, they're just but this is great, um, follow him on Facebook, um, watch him on YouTube, and uh, thank you so much for being on, and uh, I hope to see you very soon. Yeah, well, as soon as we can get going, if I start doing that show again, I'll book you out if you want to drive out here again, and uh, I'll talk to you soon.